Sometimes people ask me what I do for a living. I guess you get this question a lot, right? And I have something, I, like, I have a little game I like to play with them. I say, I turn the world upside down, right? And I just leave it hanging there. I don't, I don't explain it. I just leave it hanging there. And usually there are a few uncomfortable moments because they don't know what I'm talking about. They wonder if I'm on serious drugs or something, right? And so I just say, I turn the world upside down. Then I say, I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, you know the phrase. Some of you are familiar with that, with that text. It's, it's Acts chapter 17, verse 6. It was the thing that Paul and Silas were accused of doing by simply preaching the gospel, that they turned the world upside down. And I understand, I don't do, I'm small issue to the matter. I mean, Jesus is the one that gets into a life and turns it upside down, right? I'm just simply a mouthpiece. But I love to, to play that game with people. October 15, 17. Does anybody know what that date is? October 15, 17. Something significant happened in the history of the church. October 15, 17. Does anybody know? The Protestant Reformation. We should know this. You need to remember this. Almost 500 years ago, the Protestant Reformation began. An unassuming, rather dumpy, unattractive little monk turned the world upside down. You know his name? Anybody know his name? Martin Luther. 18, uh, October 1517, he nailed his 95 Theses on the door of Wittenberg Church, protesting the sale of indulgences and by the Roman Catholic Church. Four years later, he stood before an archbishop who demanded that he recant from his criticisms of Roman Catholic doctrine and practice. Some of you will recognize what he said. Martin Luther said this to the archbishop, Unless I am convinced by Scripture and plain, plain, uh, plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted one another. My conscience is captive to the Word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything. For to, do, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. Don't you love that? That's who we are at ICM. We're like Martin Luther. We do this. We don't do anything else. We just do this. We don't have uh, books and, you know, full of dogma and liturgies and... and uh, Traditions, we, we don't, those things can be interesting, I guess, but this is what we do. We simply do the Word of God. We agree with Martin Luther in that regard. This is who we are at the International Church of Milan. I was, as I was thinking about this, this week, I, I've said this to you before, I know Satan is really, really good at his job. Can we turn this heat off, please? Uh, he's really good at his job. Um, I often envision him sitting around thinking of all the stupid things he can get human beings to believe. We talked a little bit about this about a month or so ago. He's got men believing some of the most outlandishly stupid things you can imagine. And he's been doing this all through history. I was wondering as I thought about this, have they stopped teaching logic at university? Have you had to take logic? I mean, to get a degree anymore, do you have to take logic still? I mean, when I was in university way back... A long time ago, back in the uh, yeah, 70s, the early 70s, you had to take logic or you couldn't get a degree. So you didn't say stupid things like, there are, there are a lot of different ways to get to God. Although these different ways to God contradict one another, there are still a lot of ways. Truth is relative. 
You know, you learn to think logically. And so you didn't say goofy things like that. You know, I hear nice, reasonably intelligent, educated people talking about relative truth. Beloved, truth is never relative. It's either true or it's false. There's no such thing as relative truth. Although I was listening to a professor sometime back on YouTube, and he said, your average U.S. Your average U.S. student coming into university believes in relative truth. Satan has done such a great job of brainwashing, of brainwashing the culture. Of course, when I hear goofy things like this, I always go back to Ravi Zacharias. I've shared this quote with you before. That this is a great quote. You need to hear this quote. Think about this. Ravi Zacharias on relative truth. He says, Modern pluralistic cultures are beguiled by the cosmetically courteous idea that sincerity of belief is all that counts and that truth is subject to the beholder. Listen to this. This is the truth. In no other discipline of life can one be so naive. Yes? To say that all religions are right and that it does not matter which, which, uh, whether the claims are objectively true is catastrophic in thinking. All religions are not the same. All religions do not point to God. All religions do not say that all religions are the same. At the heart of every religion is an uncompromising commitment to a particular way of defining who God is or is not and accordingly defining the purpose of life. Anyone who claims that all religions are the same betrays a shocking ignorance of all religions. Every religion at its core is exclusive. Truth cannot be all-inclusive. Truth, by definition, excludes the false. Yes? Beloved, don't buy into the cultural and the media junk that truth is relative. Of course truth is not relative. Mankind has never believed such stupidity. Mankind has never believed this until the last generation or two. That you can hold self-contradictory uh, propositions to be true at the same time. It's crazy. I lost a new Adria on this when we first came here. She used to hang around the church and she came to some of the Bible studies. And, uh, but ultimately she could not tolerate our intolerance. We have one intolerance. We love all people. But we have one intolerance. Untruth. We will not tolerate untruth being taught in this church. We will not tolerate it. That's why we all, we all use the Bible. That's, why, that's all we use. We don't use the words of men. We use the words of God. And so she became intolerant of our intolerance against uh, relative truth. And she left. I told her in love, I said, everything that spills out of the mouth of a man, whether he is a shaman, a guru, or imam, a rabbi, a monk, a priest, a bishop, a pope, or even a Protestant preacher, anything that comes out of the mouth of a man that's not based on this is speculation. That's the best you can say about it. It's speculation. Most often damning speculation. That's the best you can say about it. If it's not from the Word of God. There is an absolute truth What's His name? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through Me. There aren't, I said this a couple of weeks ago or last week, there aren't ten ways, there aren't five ways, there aren't two ways. There's one way. Beloved, you and I need to be out in the world sharing this Gospel. There's one way. 
You know, sometimes we're so squeamish we don't want to offend somebody. Beloved, you don't want to offend somebody or you want to let them go to hell? I mean, we, we do it in love. But you know, this is why one reason that the world hates Christianity because we, we, we stand there and we say, there's one way. The world, wants, the world wants us to just be happy and sing Kumbaya and say, well, there's 15 ways. We're all going to God. It doesn't matter. We're all children of God. It's just simply not true if we read our Bibles, if we believe our Bibles. We understand that this is simply not the truth. You know what God says about anyone who would preach a gospel other than His? He said, let them be accursed. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. So we're spending a couple of weeks talking about the non-negotiable principles that undergird uh, ICM. The first one you may remember, we looked at the life of Daniel. Daniel was uncompromising. Daniel would not compromise on the Word of God. That's who we are. At ICM, we will not compromise on the Word of God. The second one we talked about was um, we looked at the life of David. We will not be risk-averse Christians. We will not be timid Christians. If we, if we believe God's calling us to do a thing, we'll do the thing. Even though we know we can't do the thing without the power and the provision of God. We will not be risk-averse. We will not be timid. The third principle I want to talk about tonight is that we preach, teach, love, and hold dear the truth of God. We stand on the truth of God. We don't add to it, as many churches do, and we don't take away from it, as many churches do. You go to many Protestant churches these days, and of course we know the Catholics have added a ton of stuff. You know, as John MacArthur says, they use the Bible, but they don't need the Bible. <laughs> you know, they, uh, they've added so much junk. When you go, you go to your average Protestant church, we, we see that they've edited so much out. They won't talk about the hard things anymore. They just talk about the stuff that men love to hear. So the third principle for ICM is we do not edit God. We stand on His truth and we trust in His power. You know, we don't do church growth strategies. We don't do gimmicks. We just preach God's Word. And we let God do what God does. We let God do what He does. 1 Corinthians 1, 23-24, Paul says, I preach Christ crucified. That's it. I'm not trying to be clever. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to entertain you. I preach Christ crucified. He went on to say, it's a, to the Jew it's a stumbling block, to the, to the Gentile it's foolishness, but to the called, this is what he says, you've got to love it, he says, to the called it is the power and wisdom of God. Are you the called? To the called it's the power and wisdom of God. And that's what I want to talk about. That's why we just preach God's Word. Some people don't like it, they don't come back. I hate it, I wish they'd come back. But I'm not, as we said last week, I'm not going to change the message. We preach Christ and Him crucified. If you read the New Testament, you'll discover that the Gospel is all about the power of God. God makes a Christian, beloved. I can't make a Christian. The church can't make a Christian. A sacrament can't make a Christian. An ordinance can't make a Christian. A prayer, a, a prayer parented properly can't make a Christian. Only God can make a Christian. That's why we preach the Word. That's why I don't pressure people to become Christians. That's why I don't try to manipulate them psychologically. That's why I don't twist their arm or cajole them. 
I know God will bring His people to Himself. This is what God does. So we just preach the Word. We don't pressure and manipulate. We just preach the Word. The called come. <laughs> Amen? This is New Testament Christianity. The called will come. The power of God. I'll just give you a couple of verses. I've got so many. I don't have time. I've got so many here. The power of God in the Gospel. You know, Jesus told the Sadducees, He said, you don't understand the power of God. He said, this is part of your problem. Acts 1.8, Jesus told His disciples they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came. Acts 4.33, the apostles gave testimony and witness with great power. 2 Corinthians 6.7, Paul said he conducted his ministry in the word of truth and the power of God. That's what ICM does. It's all about the power of God. It's all about the sufficiency of His truth. Again, we don't play games. We don't try to be the world. We, don't, we just stand on what God will do. Colossians 1.11 We are strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. Paul said, I work according to His power which mightily works in me. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of timidity but of Power. First Peter 1 Peter 1.5 We are protected by the power of God through faith. 2 Peter 1.3 His divine power has granted to us everything uh, pertaining to life and godliness. And here's the sermon. 1 uh, uh, Corinthians 2.5 and 4.20 Listen. The kingdom of God does not consist in words, but someone tell me, in power. And then also your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God, beloved. Biblical Christianity, it's all about the power of God. It is all about the power of God. So this is the third principle that undergirds the ministries of ICM. We do not trust in the speculations of men. We don't trust in uh, councils and edicts. We don't trust in rope prayers and liturgies. We don't uh, trust in slick, marketed, packages, go, uh, packaged gospel presentations. We don't trust in three-step formula that do not appear anywhere in the Bible. We trust in the truth and the power of the Gospel of God. So, this church will sink or swim based on the truth and the power of God, not on gimmicks and strategies and silly things that many churches are doing these days. The Word of God is crystal clear. Only God can make a Christian. You know, churches all over the world, Catholic and Protestant, you know, they'll, they'll say, hey, if you'll do these three or four or five things, I'll pronounce you a Christian. They don't have the power to do that, beloved. Christianity has never been a formula. It's always been supernatural. Jesus said, you must be born again. No man can born you again. Only God can born you again. It's an insult. It's blasphemous to God and an insult to the average intelligence that anyone would tell you, I can promise you'll be a Christian if you'll, do these, if you'll do this little formula I've designed. Here you go. Do these four things. And you'll be a Christian. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible. You don't see it anywhere in the Bible. Jesus said, making a Christian is a miracle. Making a Christian is supernatural. Only God does that. Beloved, if I thought I had to convert you, I'd still be an accountant in Little Rock. I would never be preaching the gospel. If I thought it was up to me, I if I thought I had to be smart enough or slick enough or entertaining enough to try to get you to make a decision for Christ, you know, I, 
I wouldn't be in this business because I know I don't have what it takes. But I know God has what it takes. So I can stand here boldly and preach the Gospel. God has what it takes. God will get His people. God will get His people. We know in much of the church today that there's a, as Timothy, as Paul told Timothy, many hold to a form of godliness, but they have denied what? The power of it. The power of it. The power. They can do religion. They can go to church. They can be on the, you know, they can, they can uh, be on the church rolls. They can be a member of the church, but they cannot really be a Christian unless they have been born again and operate under the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Only God can make a Christian. So our church growth strategy here at ICM is preach the Gospel. Do Bible studies. Give out the truth. The called will hear it. You know, this is why missionaries... Read these, read these great missionary biographies. These men and women who went, you know, on the other side of the world, risked their life, gave themselves away. You read, you read some of these great missionary stories. They, they didn't go because they thought they were... because they had any confidence in themselves. They went because they knew God made Christians. Not because they had to make any. They knew God made Christians. So they went with all uh, encouragement and all boldness. This is what God does this. You know, all we are supposed to do, all you believers out there, you're supposed to be speaking the Word in your life to your friends and family. You speak the Word and then, boom, God does a miracle through His Word. You know, people say to me, well, Jim, if this is how it works, then why do I need to witness if God's going to get His man? Because you are a means to an end. God's people are means to an end. Right? People get this all messed up in their head. Of course we have to witness. Of course we give testimony to the, to the Gospel of Jesus. We're commanded to do it. We are God's... Me- That's the only reason we're on the planet. We talked about it in Young Adult Bible Study the other night. It's the only reason we're left on the planet. Share the Gospel. 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 Be in the church. Work in the church. Edify the saints. You know, life is supposed to be really pretty simple for... The believer. So our church growth strategy is Acts 2.47 and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. You can't educate uh, someone into into the Gospel. You can't reason someone into being a Christian. You can't entertain them into it. And you cannot ceremonially induct anyone into Christianity. It's a miracle. It's a miracle with God. You know Romans 10.14 and 17... How shall they call upon the Lord in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So faith comes by gimmicks and strategies and marketing. Is that what the, God, uh, the Word of God says? How does conversion come? How does faith come? How does real faith come? By what? The Word of God. The Word of Christ is what the text says. The Word of Christ. You know, there, there are so many churches in the States, these big mega churches, you know, and they're just playing games and they're just doing stupid stuff. And I just, I go there, sometimes I go there just to get mad. You know, I go there just to get mad. And, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's a grievous thing, really. That we're just playing games. 
when people are dying, when we've been charged with the most important job in the cosmos, which is to share the truth of God, and for a preacher to stand in the pulpit and tell jokes and funny stories, and, and uh, it's, it's awful, beloved. It's terrible what goes on. So we build our worship around the preaching of the Word. We love music. We're thankful so, much, so thankful for the wonderful talent we have in this church. Those who lead, but music does not convert. Anecdotes and funny stories do not convert. Drama and interpretive dance do not convert. Philosophy and poetry do not convert. Political and social commentary and good works do not convert. Religious ceremony, pageantry, and tra tradition do not convert. God's Word converts as it's preached. You know, it's not up to me, man. <laughs> you know, I love it. I got the best job in the world. All I have to do is preach. God does everything else. He does all the hard stuff. I just, all I got to do is be, be you know, faithful to this. If I just do this. If I just be honest with this and, and, and trustworthy with this and have integrity with this, He does all the hard stuff. Romans 1.16, you guys know this great text. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is... Someone, does anyone know? It is the power of God. The Gospel is the power of God. I don't have to play games up here. I don't have to be Jay Leno. You know? I don't have to be a comedian. To really just do what needs to be done, all I have to do is, is give out the Word of God uh, truthfully and accurately. God does everything else. God will do... You know how I was converted? Somebody was reading the Bible out loud. I've been religious all my life. I've been in church all my life. I've been baptized when I was eight. I was, on a, I was a member of a church. I wasn't a Christian. I wouldn't have given you five cents for Jesus. He wasn't very interesting to me at that time. But I'll tell you what. When I was 28 and that guy read the Bible, boom! And the Word of God landed on me like a sumo wrestler. And I realized, hey, I'm no Christian at all. God just saved me. Just somebody was reading the Bible. Boom! So listen, I want to say to you, cool things happen at church. I was at church. The only reason I'd go to church is because my mom would cook me, um, would cook me lunch if I went to church. So I'd go. And I was used to it. You know, it was a habit. It was a cultural habit. But cool stuff happens at church, beloved. Bring your friends. Bring your friends. So ICM, we rest in, trust in, believe in, pray for, and anticipate the power of God. Let's look real quickly at the text. Just a few points. I want to make a few points. A few points. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look, it says that the, the Gospel, if it's veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Verse 4. The, the God of this world, little g, God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Now Paul, some of you may know, was being criticized at this point. Paul, your gospel presentation is offensive. Your gospel presentation is not effective. You run more people off than come in. Paul, you need to, you, need to, you know, jazz it up. You need to make it more entertaining. Paul, you're not very effective with the Gospel. This was the critique of the Apostle Paul at this time. 
I heard a guy say, I think it was John MacArthur, he said, preaching doesn't overcome consumer resistance, it exposes it. You know, some people think, well, okay, the gospel's a product, I'm a salesman, and you're a consumer. This is the way much of the modern church is run in, in America anyway. So I'm just selling you a product. Beloved, that's just blasphemous. That's just blasphemous. It's, just a, it's, it's a lack of understanding of what's going on with the Word of God and how He saves His people. So we see here that, you know, and I know this, when I, when I preach the Gospel, when I share the Gospel with someone, at least two things are happening. One, the God of this world, little g, God of this world, Satan, is seeking to blind the eyes of the unbelieving. And I also know from Romans chapter 1 that the unbeliever is act, act, actively suppressing the truth. We've talked about this the last several weeks. So those two things are going on. Satan is blinding and the unbeliever is pushing down the truth. He doesn't want to hear the truth. He knows the truth, but he's, but he's suppressing the truth. He's doing. I know those two things, at least those two things are going on. So it doesn't really matter how polished I am. It doesn't matter how impressive I am. It doesn't matter how clever I am. I cannot get through. I cannot get through Satan. I cannot get through uh, the individual, the re rebellious individual pushing down the truth. But I know who can get through. If I'll just be faithful. Hey, I don't have to be, you know, a superstar at giving the gospel. Just give the gospel. You don't have to be impressive. You know, what does it say here in the, at the very last verse here? It says, we are earthen vessels. You're a clay pot. I mean, you know, you're, I know some people think, well, I have to be a chalice or I have to be impressive to really share the gospel effectively. Wrong. Just speak it. God does everything else. Just speak His Word. Speak His truth. That's what this church stands on. That's what I challenge you to stand on as, a, as, a, as an individual Christian. Speak the truth. God will do everything else. Just speak the truth. This is not marketing. This is heaven and hell. This is the truth of God. We are not marketing a product. We are proclaiming Christ Jesus and Him crucified. And He's the one who turns the world upside, upside down. So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to liberate you. Be free. Be free in your evangelism. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have a master's of divinity. You don't have to memorize the whole Bible. Just speak the name of Jesus and tell Him about the cross. And tell them that He's the Savior and that he, he, He's come to redeem His people. Just speak the simple truths. God will do the rest, beloved. Just do it. That's why you're here. If you're a Christian tonight, that's the only reason God's left you on the planet is to share the Gospel. There's no other reason for you to be here. As Paul says, it would be far better to be with, to be with the Lord. But He's left you here for a reason. If you get this truth that only God can make a Christian, you'll, be, you'll become a better evangelist. You will become a better evangelist. You'll be more discerning with people. You'll be more winsome with people. That is, pleasant and at ease. You'll be more loving and long-suffering. You may witness to someone for 25 years. Now, you know, if you think it's up to you, you're going to give up after a while. This guy's a hopeless case. But if you understand the dynamic, if you understand that only God makes a Christian, you just keep speaking. You just keep speaking. You just keep praying. You just keep speaking. You just keep praying. You just keep speaking. And see what God might do. I promise you, it will make you long-suffering with the sinner. 
It'll make you long-suffering with family members who reject Jesus, reject Jesus, reject Jesus, reject Jesus. It'll make you long-suffering with them if you, if you realize that it's up, it's up to the power of God to make, to make that person into a Christian. It's only by the grace of God that you're a Christian. It's only by His sovereign, gracious choice that you're a Christian. I understand that that's deep theology. I understand it makes some people nervous, but the Bible is very clear. God speaks about election. He speaks about predestination. He, he, he speaks about calling His people to Himself, choosing His people. He talks about this all the time. I know it makes a lot of people nervous. and They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear about it. But we are Bible believers in here. <laughs> we don't run from the hard stuff. We don't run from the stuff that's mysterious. We talk about it. We talk about it. Verse 5 and verse 6. Let's look, what, look what Paul says. He says, We don't preach ourselves but Jesus Christ. That's what we preach. Verse 6, For God who said light shall shine out of the darkness is the One who, is, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Verse 6, he's talking about, he's basically quoting Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, where God said, let there be light. That's how God makes a Christian. In the, in the, in the dark, dead soul of a man, God speaks light. He does it. It's a miracle. It's like, you know, when, he told, when Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. He says, you're so messed up. You need a miracle. This is the Gospel, beloved. We all need a miracle. We need God to speak light and life into our dead souls. This is what He's saying right here. Chapter 4, 2 Corinthians, verse 6. I love what John Piper says here. He says, God moves with creative power over the darkness of the human heart. 1 Peter 2.9 God has called us out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. Ephesians 1.18 and 19 I pray uh, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the surpassing greatness of God's power toward us who believe in accordance with the working of the strength of His might. John 11 is the perfect illustration. No amount of liturgy, no amount of ceremony, no amount of, of uh, or, no ordinances, nothing was going to bring Lazarus out of the tomb. There's only one thing that could bring Lazarus out of the tomb. Was it religion? What was it? It was the Word of Jesus Christ. It was the Word of God. Lazarus, come forth! I heard a preacher say one time, I thought it was really cool. He says, man, it's a good thing. You know what I'm going to say, Monsieur? It's a good thing that Jesus said Lazarus or every dead corpse would have come out of the grave. There was so much power in the words of Jesus that every corpse in every grave all over the world would have come out. This is the power of God. John 11 is a perfect illustration of what the Bible says about true conversion. We know, what, we know what happens when God comes into the life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If a man is in Christ, he is, a, he is what? He's a brain-dead, heart-dead churchgoer. No! He's brand new. Man, it, yeah. His world's been turned upside down. That's what happens. That's what happens. I can remember what old Jen, uh, Jen Pescorch used to say. You know, she said, man, before I met Jesus, I just, you know, I mean, he, did, he just didn't used to be very, important, uh, very interesting to me. I always liked how she said it. But suddenly, he was very interesting to me. 
this is true conversion. If you've caught a genuine glimpse of Jesus, you cannot not love Him. You cannot not pursue Him. You cannot not worship Him. It's like the guy in Matthew 13, 44, that great chapter where Jesus is talking about true conversion, and the guy found, found a treasure in the field. And what happened? Anybody remember? From joy. From joy. He sold all that He had that He might possess that treasure. This is what it's like if you really meet Christ. <laughs> he becomes your preeminent love, your supreme love, your preeminent uh, object of affection. He becomes, he becomes the most important person in our lives. 2 Corinthians 4.6 God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So at ICM, we are in awe of what God does with His Word to make a Christian. He saves dead souls by His creative power. God turns lives upside down. I had a, when I, a long time ago, I was teaching Sunday school and a woman called and she said, Jim, she said, my husband's about to become a Christian. She said, you need to come over here. If you'll just come over and say some stuff to him and get him to pray the prayer, he'll become a Christian. You know what I said to her? I said, how about this? I knew he'd been in my Sunday school class for a long time. I knew he knew the Gospel. I said, how about this? Why don't I just let the Holy Spirit do that? I said, why don't I just let the Holy... He knows the Gospel. Why don't I just let the Holy Spirit do that? I'm not saying we don't go, we don't go uh, share the truth. That's not what I'm saying. I just knew where this guy was. He knew the truth. Oh, guess what happened? <laughs> the Holy Spirit got his man. The Holy Spirit got his man. So we do not trust in... Ceremonies and sacraments and liturgies and ordinances and three-step formulas. We don't do that. We stand on the Word of God. We trust the Word of God knowing that only God can make a Christian. We are not interested in dead religious traditions of the past, nor are we interested in the man-centered church growth strategies of the present. We're not interested in either one of those. The old ones try to control and manipulate conversion. The new ones try to package and market it. Both are unbiblical. Both are a different gospel. God says, anyone who preaches a different gospel, let them be accursed. So we preach simply from the Bible. We preach Christ crucified. We preach everything between heaven and hell. And it's between you and God. You know? We just seek to preach the truth and teach the truth and it's between you and God. My job is to simply give you the truth. And I'll be there for you if you need counseling or if you need some questions answered. Karen and I will always be there. But principally, it's between you and the Lord. I want to close tonight. I'm just going to read an email. Karen and I get these emails on occasion. This was actually addressed to her. She'll recognize it once I start reading it. It's from a young woman. Listen to this. She'd been in church all her life, but listen to her. I'm writing to tell you the good news. I just got saved. Three exclamation points. God reached down and touched my heart and came into my life. She's talking about the text. She's talking about the text we're looking at tonight. 2 Corinthians 4.6 You know, I've always been in church and I've gone to Christian schools. I've been a good little girl. But now I realize I have never known Him. I've never known Him, she says. It was like Satan was saying, you're a good kid. You do all the right stuff. You hang out with the right people. 
you go to church, surely you're a Christian. Right? She said, I've done so many good things. Satan was telling me that, uh, Satan was feeding me this lie that all, my, all this good stuff I was doing confirmed that I was a Christian. She said, I was totally deceived. I was deceived into thinking and believing that I was a Christian because I knew the Bible and I did religious stuff. Beloved, this is epidemic in the modern church. This is epidemic in the modern church. I knew Jesus was the guy in the Bible. The guy on the cross. That's all I knew. I didn't really know Him. She said, I went to a Bible study the other evening. It was entitled, How Real Christians Live. And she said, I realized I wasn't one. The Holy Spirit of God convicted my heart, showed me that I had been living for myself. I had no idea who Christ was. All I had was head knowledge. I had no heart knowledge. But that night I surrendered myself to Jesus and I have come to know Him. My desires have changed tremendously. My thoughts have changed. It has been amazing. Three exclamation points. All of you guys out there that are born again, you understand that. You understand this, uh, you understand this email. So I, maybe the most loving thing I can do uh, to close the service is to, is to share Paul's words to the Corinthians. You guys, I'm, I'm sure, are familiar with these words. As he closed out his second letter to the Corinthians, he says, test yourself. Test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Have you been trusting in your good works? Have you been trusting in your church membership and attendance? Have you been trusting in your sacraments or your ordinances? Have you been trusting in a, a, pair, a prayer that you parroted? Someone told you to pray? Have you been trusting in those things for your assurance of salvation. Beloved, those things have no power. <laughs> those things have no power. If you're a Christian today, God has done a miracle in your heart. And this is what I don't understand. If we really understand that by sovereign grace I, I, belo I belong to Christ, not anything I did, you know, he, he, he turned the light on for me. And yes, men respond by faith. We have to respond by faith. We don't ever want to forget that. God's sovereign men are responsible. We don't ever forget that. But how can this church building not be filled up with people who want to come and worship and praise their great God? Beloved, we must not understand the Gospel or we would come. We couldn't wait to come to sing His praises and to bring an offering to this great God who should have sent me to hell, but He's brought me to Himself. Beloved, we can't take this for granted that we can come here and do this. Beloved, we can't take it for granted that we can come and do this. Encourage the brethren to come. Your friends, encourage them to come. Remember that God has done a mighty work in their life. Don't ever forget it. And invite your lost friends to come. I like how John Piper says, he says, Christian, go tell the Gospel with a heart of love and a life of service. This is how we share the Gospel. With our mouth and with our deeds. So you go out in the world and you share the Gospel. And we'll trust in the power of God. And just as I close, you say, well, Jim, I, I don't think I'm a believer. I don't think I'm a Christian at all. I listened to what you said tonight. I don't, I don't think I'm born again. 
what would you say to me? This is what I say to you. And, and, and I was looking at it this afternoon. There's so many places where the Bible effectively says the same thing. But I'll just read it to you from Jeremiah 29. If you will seek Me, God says, you will. If you don't know Him, you've not sought Him. If you don't know Him, you've not sought Him. You will seek Me and find Me when you search for Me with all your heart. It's the rebellious, haughty, arrogant heart that has not sought God. The man who does not know Him is the man who has not sought Him. So this is what, this is what we can do. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. And He will let you find Him. Let's pray. Father, forgive us. I don't understand how we all can be so dull sometimes. and How coming to worship and how speaking the Gospel can become bothersome or burdensome. I don't, I don't understand it. It's just part of our fallen nature. Forgive us, Lord, when we allow that to happen in our lives. Surely we have not fully understood the miracle involved. Surely we have not fully understood that we deserve to go to hell, but You have redeemed us by the power of Christ. You have brought us to Yourself, and we are forever Yours. Lord, let that not be a small thing in our own hearts and our own minds. It should be a life-transforming thing. It should inform every single day that we live. Forgive us, Lord, when it becomes small to us, when it becomes something on the periphery, instead of the, the devotion of our very being, that You're our great Savior, our great God, and we have a great Gospel to share with the lost. So Lord, we want to learn to, to trust You. Trust Your power. We know we don't have to be slick. We don't have to be all that bright. All we have to do is speak the truth. So Lord, we want to be a church that speaks the truth. I pray that each one here who is born again, would simply go out into the world and speak the truth. Use us, God. Use us up for Your glory, for the conversion of the lost and the edification of the saints. We pray all this in His mighty and matchless name. The name of Jesus. Amen.